Well, 2023, this is the last day of the year. My goodness, this year has been quite a journey. Um, I don't know what 2024 holds, but I know who holds it. And I'm so thankful that God has us in the palm of his hands. He's guiding us every step of the way. And as we get closer to the return of Christ, I feel very compelled and encouraged to encourage everyone here this morning with this. Uh, I feel very strongly, not just for today, but I really feel like that I need to share this and keep this in front of us every time we get together this year, and that is this. And if you're taking notes, this would be your first thing that I'd like you to write down at the very top of your journal, and that is this, to live your life with eternity in mind. Live your life with eternity in mind. In other words, the choices that you make your priorities, the things that you value need to be viewed through the lenses of eternity. Have you ever been to an eye doctor, got your eyes checked, and they put this big machine in front of you, right? And they have all kinds of little dials and devices, and they keep putting these lenses in front until it becomes more clear, and they keep saying, this one or this one? Okay, now this one or this one, and after a while, the process and the goal certainly is that you'd come out of there with some glasses that uh, you can see, you know, 20, 20 or as close to it as possible. They, they, they really want to have you to have the keenest visual clarity that you possibly can. And as we approach 2024, I believe spiritually, the Lord wants us to do that very thing spiritually. I, 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 I want us to look through the lenses of what God's Word says about the times in which we are living. I feel very strongly that in my spirit that we need to place in front of us the reality that Jesus is coming back soon. And in fact, 2024, not to name any dates because I'm not a date setter, but absolutely 2024 could be the year. We don't know. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour, but we also can be aware of the signs and the seasons that we're in, and we need to pay attention to that. I feel so strongly today that the Holy Spirit is telling us that in every decision that we make, in every action that we take, in everything that we pursue, in everything that we value and prioritize, that we must look at them through the lenses of eternity, and everything that we do, we need to keep eternity in mind. We need to ask ourselves questions such as, would God be pleased with this that I am doing in my life? Would God be glorified with this that I am walking out right now? Would Jesus be well represented in what I'm saying right now, and what I'm doing right now, and what I'm thinking right now? Are the things that I'm pursuing eternal in nature or temporary? Are they kingdom focused or worldly focused? Am I feeding my flesh or am I feeding my spirit in those things that I'm doing right now? Those are important questions for us to ask, and that will help us to do everything, keeping eternity in front of us, looking through the lenses of eternity. Church, today I feel so strongly that we need to live our lives with eternity in mind. I think too many of us live our lives like Jesus is never going to return or that it's going to be a long, long time from now before the Lord returns. But I believe that Jesus' return is right at the door. I believe that we're just moments away. Let me ask you this. What if today were the day? What if today, before this, the, clock, the clock strikes midnight, 
that Jesus were to return? What would you do differently today if you lived your life with eternity in mind? What would you do to talk about Jesus with someone that you've been putting off? What would you do differently today? What things would you not do today that you otherwise would do today? What things would you do today that you otherwise would not do today? How would this inform the choices that you make today? Important questions, and that helps us to live with eternity in mind. Church, let's not live our lives like Jesus will never return. But let's let's live our lives as if every day is like today could be the day that Jesus returns. Because it could be, very well be, that today could be the day that Jesus could return. God's plans and promises will be fulfilled. The prophecies of old will come to pass. And in fact, they're happening right before our eyes today. Read the headlines. You see what's going on. I'm so thankful that God knows the end from the beginning. You ever wonder how God can know exactly what will happen, when it will happen? You see these prophecies in the Old Testament and the New Testament, these things that are actually happening right before our eyes to the letter as to how they said it would happen thousands of years ago. How can these prophets be so accurate, even even though these words were written thousands of years ago? How? They're more than just extremely lucky guesses, I promise you that. Because God is 100% behind them. Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10 tells us how God knows and how God's word is so accurate. God saying these words, he says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. Not the beginning from the end, but I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I'll do all that I please. Wow. Here's the deal, church. God has been to the end of world history. He's already been there. God created everything. You think, how can he been to the end of history? God created everything, and God is not subject to anything he created. Did God create time? God created time. Did you know that God created time? God created time, and then now he works in time. So he's not limited by anything that he's created, including time. He's not going to be subject to time. He steps out of time and goes to the end of our lives, to the end of history, to the end of everything, and says, here's how it's going to happen. And then he goes back to the prophets of old and says, now write this down. That's why he can be 100% accurate. That's why we can depend on God's word, on the prophecies, on the promises in God's word. He's been to the end of everything. He's been to the end of your life. He knows what you will do. He knows where you will go. He knows the things that you will experience. And that's why we can trust him with our lives. That's why we can trust him to guide us on our journey. He's not trying to figure things out as he goes along with us. He knows the end from the beginning. He's not surprised by anything that's happened in your life in 2023 or what's going to happen in 2024. His purposes are going to stand. He said those very words. We just read them. What he says he will do, he will do. What he says will happen, will happen. I don't know about you, but that brings me great confidence. I don't know about you, but that gives me great assurance. I don't know about you, but it brings me comfort and it brings me hope. 
God has things well in hand. In my life, in your life, and in this world. There's nothing, there's no plan of the enemy that can or will thwart God's plan for your life, for this church, for his church, and for his plans for the world. I'm assured of that, and that gives me great peace. Now, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of people out beyond the four walls of this church. There's a lot of people in your life and my life who think that what I'm saying here today is just a bunch of baloney. That's okay. I, I don't really listen to them. The Bible says that as the day approaches, there's going to be those who think that what we believe is just a bunch of science fiction. They'll accuse us of being like that chicken little. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Over and over again. And after a while, what we say and what I'm saying here today will become in as much as white noise to them. And then they go about their day walking in their own evil desires. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 actually talks about this. It says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. There's a pattern there. There's a scoff at us, and they're going to go about their way doing what they want to do in their own evil desires. They're going to say, where's this coming, quote, unquote, coming, as a mocking way, that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. We hear that all the time. Not just outside of the church, but it's also inside of the church. But church, let me tell you today, listen to me. It's not business as usual today. There are things that are different now than they have ever been before in the world today. All of the end times prophecies are falling into place before our very eyes. And it's happening quickly. And it's happening clearly for those who have eyes to see. In fact, this entire week, uh, Monday through Friday, on Facebook Live, I'm going to touch on some different things that are going on in the world. You're not going to want to miss this. I'm going to give you an update on some of the things that have been going on that maybe just seem like news articles to you. Uh, kind of like, wow, things are really not going well. But I'm going to point to what the Bible says about those particular things and how it lines up with what end times prophecy is all about. So I hope you'll tune in every night at 7 o'clock. I'm going to go for just a few moments with that. Then we're going to pray through those things and, and, and just be the church, you know, and intercede for these things that are going on. So I hope you'll join me every night at 7 o'clock for that. But church, let's not be fooled and let's not slumber. Let's not allow what I'm saying here today to be a bunch of white noise to us. I know we've heard this over and over again. There's a lot of scoffers that belittle us and what we're saying about our return of Christ, but we must also be on guard with our hearts against this. You see, the scoffers out there, but there's also scoffers in the church. And I've had actually people say to me over the years, Pastor, you sure do talk a lot about end times. I know I do, because we're in those end times, and we need to be aware of it and stay keenly aware of what's going on. And, you know, you may be tired of me saying something about that, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep saying stuff about the end times and, uh, and that Jesus is coming back. And maybe as I'm saying this, it may seem after a while like it's just a bunch of white noise to you. And you may be tempted as a result of that 
Because you've heard it so often. Now, I'm 61 years old. I've heard this all my life. Jesus is coming back. But I'm not going to let that make me slide off into some sort of complacency. And I feel like that even more so I need to press in. Even more so we need to press in. Yeah, I've heard it all my life. Yes, you've heard it all your life. But I'm not going to slide back into some sort of complacency. And I'm not going to pursue some sort of evil desire and think that it's going to be way down the road sometime that the Lord's coming back. And i got plenty of time. I'm not going to convince myself that Jesus' return is still a long way off. That's foolishness. And that would be something that would be to mine and your own demise if we lived our lives that way. Church, listen to me. We must always be diligent. We must always be on guard. We must always be ready. We must never, ever think that Jesus' return is a long way off because we never know when Jesus is going to return. There's a parable that talks to this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 through 13. Follow along with me. It just says this. At that time, and this is Jesus speaking to the folks listening. And what he's talking about is at that time, just in the chapter right before, he's talking about the end times, the signs of the end times, the things that will happen just before his return. So he's setting it up, and then he comes up by saying, at that time, so he's pointing back to what he just said, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were there on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. There's, there's a, a truth to this that really is all of, the, all of them, if you realize, they're all of the virgins. They're all waiting. They're all Christians. They're all believers. But some of them just got complacent. Some of them got lax. Some of them thought it was a long way off. And this particular story is speaking to us today. I believe that there's a... A portion of the church today, and possibly even a portion of this, in this body of believers here today, that are slack, they're asleep, they're lacking, they're thinking that Jesus' return is a long way off, and they've gotten complacent, they've gotten sleepy, they're slumbering. And church, I believe the Holy Spirit is telling us today to wake up, because the bridegroom is right at the door. His return is right at the door. And we need to keep our oil in reserve. We need to keep ready because when that trumpet sounds, we're not going to have a chance to get ready then. 
We must always live our lives with eternity in mind, church. We must always look through those lenses that this could be the day. I think today is a good day for us to renew our watchful hearts and realize that we're living just moments away from the return of Christ. What we're seeing going on around us today is not business as usual, not the way that it's been since the beginning of creation. Church, today, things are different. What we're seeing is end times prophecies being fulfilled. Jesus calls them birth pangs. As he described the different things of those living in the terminal generation of which we are in, that we'll experience before he returns. He says in Matthew 24, verse 8, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, as a pregnant woman nears the time of her delivery, ladies, I don't need to tell you this if you've had a baby, your body begins to prepare for the birth by having contractions. It's a normal process that God has created women to experience. The closer to the delivery, the more frequent and intense the contractions become, and all of this culminates in the delivery of a baby. Just as it's guaranteed that a baby is going to be born at the end of the process that a woman goes through, so also we need to know and be assured that what God has promised will result in these birth pains that are taking place. What the world is experiencing is that Jesus is coming back. These contractions are getting more frequent. These contractions are getting more intense. Can't you see it? What's going on in the world today? And there's going to be an appointed delivery day that only God knows that is coming up on the world, and I believe very quickly. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, and it will not delay. God has got an appointed time, and he's coming back, and it will not delay. You remember a couple of months ago when we were going through that series on the Holy Spirit? And I was talking about the qualities of the Holy Spirit. And one of those qualities that he gives us is the gift of discernment. He helps us to look around and to figure things out. The Holy Spirit is there to help us to see things that we can't see. He's there to help us to see things that aren't manifest yet with our physical eyes, but he helps us to know in our spirits to be true, that these things are true. If you're going to, let me just ask you this. Let me just encourage you with this. If you'll give place to the Holy Spirit today in your life, the Holy Spirit is in you. If you're saved, if you're a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit is in you. That's the Spirit of Christ. And if you'll give place to the Holy Spirit today, I believe that he'll give you and grow in you that uh, gift of discernment that we're in the, and he'll show you that we're in these last days. He'll, he'll discern to you. He'll, he'll bring to you like, yeah, it makes sense now that we're in the last days. Those things that the prophets of old wrote about, those days that Jesus warned us about, those days that generations in the past looked ahead to, the days just before the return of Jesus, that we are in those days. If you'll let the Holy Spirit give you that peace in your heart and the affirmation in your heart, you'll understand there'll be this sense of agreement that says, yeah, that's right. We are in those last days. We need to be like those men. 
from the tribe of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12.32, who simply understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Church, we need to understand the times and know what the church of Jesus Christ should do. What must we do? What must we do in these last days if we're convinced, if the Holy Spirit is affirmed and confirmed in us that, yes, we are in the last of the last days, then church, what must we do? Well, here's what we must do. Romans chapter 13 gives it to us. We need to put on Jesus. I'll read it in just a minute, but if we understand that the times in which we're living are the days before the return of Christ, just moments before the return of Christ, should it not sober us to the reality that the return of Jesus is right at the door and make us live right? Should it not make us live right? Should it not make us lay aside the deeds of the flesh and put on Jesus? Should it not, no matter what our friends are doing, no matter what the rest of the world is doing, should it not make us reject those things and put on more of Jesus, press in more to Jesus? Should it not do that? Understanding the times that we live. Should it not make us live our lives more intensely with eternity in mind? Here's the admonishment given to us in Romans chapter 13 in verse 11. It says, know the time that now is high time to awaken out of the sleep that we're in. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness with his sexual immorality, not in lust, not in strife, which is dissension, not in envy, which is jealousy. Put on the Lord Jesus instead and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. There's a lot of different instructions here with this, and I want you to take some notes, write this down. The first thing that he says is know the time. Know the time. Know what time it is, church. Look around. Know the times in which you are living. We are in the last of the last days just before the return of Jesus. You know, you probably look at your watch often how many times a day? Five, ten, fifty times a day? I don't know. We always need to know what time it is, right? We look at your watch all the time or whatever sort of timepiece that you have because you want to know what time it is. You don't want to be late. For example, church starts at 10 o'clock. Every Sunday morning. So you make sure that you're there on time before church starts so you don't miss a thing, right? Well, I wish it were that way. (laughs) Some of us are that way. You know, I look out here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning sometimes and I think, did I miss the announcement? I, uh, we're having church. By the time I'm finished with worship, I look at the sanctuary, it's full. It's just awesome how that happens. Honestly, I think some of us are going to be late for heaven. I just don't understand how that works, but that's all right. Here's the New Year's resolution for all of us, church. Here's, here's one. Write this down. With your hand up, I prioritize church attendance, and I also promise to be on time. <laughs> and on time, by the way, means 9.55 a.m., not 10 o'clock. Uh, uh, just come on, be to church. Get here at 9.55 every Sunday morning, and, uh, <laughs> and let's be... I'm so glad we serve an on-time God. I can't, I can't say that he can always say that about his church, but we serve an on-time God. Amen. 
Church, don't be foolish, but be wise. Be discerning. Be like the men of Issachar who understood the times in which they were living and they knew what to do as a result. Here's what you have to understand. Satan is turning up the heat. He's pulling out all the stops. He's using every weapon in his arsenal to deceive and to steer away and to capture anyone and everyone that he can. He knows, he knows his time is short. He's very aware of the time. Don't be one of his casualties today. Listen to me. Don't be taken up by his trickery and deception. Be wise. Be discerning. Recognize the prowling lion that he is and that he's trying to devour you. Don't let him do it. Know the time in which you're living and respond accordingly. Live your life with eternity in mind. Here's the next instruction. It says it's high time to wake up. It's high time to wake up. If Satan, here's the thing. If Satan can't draw you away from Jesus, he will lull you to sleep. Church, Jesus is calling us to wake up from our slumber. Jesus is calling us to open up our eyes to the harvest field. Snap out of your stupor. It's high time for us to wake up. In other words, the hour's upon us. It's now or never. We may not have another day. You don't have another week. You may not have another month. You may not have another year to sleep or to coast or to put things off. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we're to step up and to be the church that God has called us to be. He's chosen you to be in the terminal generation to proclaim the gospel once, one more time, to that one more person today, tomorrow, and every opportunity that he gives us. You know, many of us have been serving Jesus for decades, and I applaud you. I commend you for that. But Jesus is calling all of us, no matter if we've served the Lord for two minutes or 200 years, to roll up our sleeves and to press in all the more, to not coast into glory. No, God is calling us to finish in a blaze of glory because our salvation is closer than ever before. Philippians Chapter 3, let's do as Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. says, not that I've already obtained all of this, or I've already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Let me ask you this. Has Jesus taken hold of you today? Does Jesus have you? Are you in his firm grip He's taken hold of you, and he's got you to take hold of something now. As tightly as, God, as he's got you, he's saying, you take hold of this. I press on to take hold of that. What is that? Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do know, forgetting what's behind. Oh, there's some stuff we got to forget. Isn't that right? Some stuff that's happened this last year, this last decade, this last week. We got to put it behind us. The devil would like us to wrap us up and then say, you just lived there for a while. You live in your pity, you live in your hurt, you live in your sorrow, you live in your whatever. And as long as he can keep you there, he's keeping you ineffective. But it's time to forget that stuff. Listen, 2023, there's nothing I can do about it. Yesterday's gone. 
I can do something today, and tomorrow's a promise, but I'm not going to let yesterday dictate what God wants to do for me tomorrow or today. I'm going to forget those things. I'm forgetting that stuff that, that I should have done, could have done, would have done. Today is another day that I can do something for him. So forgetting that's behind me, I'm going to strain toward what's ahead, and I'm going to press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me and you heavenward in Christ Jesus. God's got a job for you to do today. And yeah, I know people have done stuff to you, and bad things have happened in your life, and all that sort of stuff, but let it go. Give it to the Lord. It's all right. Today, I'm going to press on. I'm going to take hold of that that Jesus has taken hold of me for. And I'm going to hold it as tightly as he's holding me. I'm going to pursue it as, as, as vigorously as he's pursued me. I'm going to do it with all my might and 100% just like Jesus has done for me. So that way I can stand before him one day and you can stand before him and say, I did it. I did all that I could for you, Lord, in your strength, for your glory. The night is nearly over. Romans chapter 13 says, the night is nearly over. You wonder how, just how, how deeply dark it gets at night? You ever seen how dark it, you've, you've been up in the middle of the night? It's just, it's just pitch black, and you're out in the middle of nowhere, no city lights, anything like that. I mean, it can get deeply dark, can it? It's kind of like what the world is going on right now. This is what he's talking about when the night is almost over. Right now, it feels like they're in this deep, dark awful time in the world, does it not, in a lot of ways? How can it get any worse? You know, we read the headlines. We read the moral decline and the erosion of what's going on in the world, all the different things, the perversions, just awful. Everything that's going on, you think, is there any good headlines anywhere? Is there anything going on? The Bible says the night is almost over. These things that are taking place, Satan is experiencing his last final hurrah. The night is almost over. I, I know you're tired of the headlines, church. I know your heart is broken over the evil that seems to be running rampant in our world today. You're worried, you're anxious, maybe you're even a little afraid of where it's all going to lead, but I want to encourage you with something here today. Get your eyes off of that and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm here to tell you today that this present evil age is almost over. The night is almost over, church. The night, this evil, this work of darkness, this present age is almost finished and where it will lead is to Jesus coming back and setting things right again. Because it says the night is almost over. Then it says the day is almost here. The day when Jesus returns will be a glorious day for some, will it not? For all of us here today, it will be a glorious day if we have made it right and made our peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be a glorious day, but it's going to be a tragic day for others. Those who are asleep, those who are scoffing, those who've rejected Christ. That's going to be an awful day for them. Those who have placed their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it's going to be a glorious day. Those who think all of this is a fairy tale, it's going to be a tragic day as they realize that it's too late and that all this Jesus stuff that they mocked and scoffed about is actually real. So what must we do, church, to be in the first group and not be in the second? Well, let's go back to Romans chapter 13. He says to cast off the work of darkness. Cast it off. There's a sampling of actions and attitudes that are listed here as you continue reading the Scripture. He's talking about partying and drunkenness and sexual immorality and lust and strife and envy. That's quite a list. 
You can go on really with a longer list to be sure of the works of the flesh. It just feels like that the point of what he's saying here in that scripture is not just to focus on those few things, but really any acts and works of darkness, anything in the flesh, cast it off. The point is to not, uh, don't worry about that list so much as the overarching heart posture of what the scripture is trying to encourage us to do is to cast off the things of this world, stop embracing them, reject them, get rid of them. I really think it's interesting how the author of this particular text juxtaposes the works of darkness and light with clothing. Now, based on this analogy, we actually clothe ourselves with certain attitudes and actions, whether good or bad. Think about that. The clothes that you're wearing here today speak to your personality, speak to your taste, speak to your style, whatever the case may be. The clothes that we wear are choices that we make when we look in our closet and say, yeah, I'm going to wear that today. But in the same way, the clothes that we wear with our attitudes and our actions also speak to our lives, whether good or bad. It's a choice that we make every day. Are we, going, are we going to clothe ourselves in deeds of darkness, or are we going to clothe ourselves in Christ? So let me ask you today, what works of the flesh have you clothed yourself with? How many has a favorite outfit that you like to make, like your go-to outfit, and maybe your closet? It's all right to admit it. It's like two or three of them. No one else has a favorite outfit. Okay, a few of you. Okay, that's good. Some people have favorite outfits. It's like, oh, I look good on this. It's a good color. It's comfortable, whatever, right? has a lot of elastic in it. You know, whatever. Especially after Christmas. It can be a shirt, a dress, whatever. Some other piece of clothing that's your go-to. I'm going to show you some really interesting outfits. Uh, if you can, just put them up on the screen here. Um, you see, there's that one. Let's just keep that up there for a second. I think if you just take a little pin and pop that, that would be an interesting outfit. That, that's, a, that's an ugly outfit. Would you say that's an ugly outfit, anybody? Would you amen that, ugly? Okay, let's go to the next one. That's pretty ugly. She looks really happy. Oh, my goodness. I think that's Lurch's nephew <clears throat> from the Adams family. That's an ugly outfit. There's no neck there. That's a necklace outfit. That's unbelievable. Let's do the next one. Oh, my goodness. Okay, there's that one. She, she's... That looks one of those, those little things you clean out coffee things with those little scrubbers. Isn't that a sham wow? I don't know what that is, but that's another one. She, she, she's trying to look happy wearing that. Let's go to the next one. Ugly outfits. Oh, my goodness. I think that's a kumquat artichoke or a... Um, maybe that's a scrub buddy. Yeah, that's a scrub buddy. There's that. Would you say again, ugly outfit? Yeah. Let's go to the next one. Uh, I don't even know about that guy. I think he borrowed Frankenstein's boots. Um, wow. He needs prayer. There's that one. Let's go to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a, this guy here. This looks like a, a piece from a chess set that got misplaced. He's either a rook or a, a knight. I'm not sure, but that, that's hilarious right there. Finally, I think this one here. Yeah, this next one. Yeah, that one. So that one right there, you could say so many things about that. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I feel like saying, would you give this guy a hand? But then we really can't because he's already got plenty. Uh, I, I would say this, though. I almost got this for Pastor Joseph for Christmas, but they, just, they didn't have his size. So 
dodge that bullet. So these, these outfits are just absolutely ugly outfits, right? Real people are wearing them. And we think, I would never be caught dead in any of those outfits. Would you agree that you'd not be caught dead in any of those outfits? However, as those outfits are ugly and awful, and we've probably seen some people just walking down the street thinking there's no way I'd be caught dead in that outfit. But as much as those outfits are awful, you can take that guy down if you want to, please. He's, ugh. As much as those outfits are ugly, we also wear those attitudes all the time. As we do with our clothing, so our attitudes and our actions look just as ridiculous and hideous and ugly. Let me ask you this. Do people know you as someone, for example, who clothes himself in off-color jokes and makes sexual innuendos? Are you that guy at work? Are you that gal at work or at school that clothe yourselves in that? How about this? Do people label you as someone who clothes themselves as a gossiper, who holds a grudge, who is jealous, or who is angry all the time? Is that the kind of clothing that you are known to wear in your attitudes and actions? What sort of reputation do you have at work, do you have at school, do you have online, do you have in your community, what, that, what reputation do you have that you clothe yourselves in such a way that you're either in those attitudes that I described and then some, or you're clothing yourself to be an authentic representation of Jesus Christ. Either you're representing the, G- the Lord or you're representing the patterns of this world. Those are the only two choices. So what sort of clothing is hanging up in your spiritual, emotional, mental closet, in your heart, that is your go-to, that you know is not what God would be pleased with you wearing? It's a good question that we need to ask. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13 to set it aside, to, to cast it off. Now, I know it's one of your favorite outfits. You, some of you earlier said, I got a favorite outfit. I just love that attitude, that particular approach, that action, the certain way that you live your life. It's a favorite. It's a go-to. But the Bible says it's time to let it go, to cast it off. Listen, you're, you're, you're not going to stand before your friends on Judgment Day and try to impress them with whatever sort of stuff you got wearing. You're going to stand before God. That's it. And by the way, so will your friends stand before God one day. We all were going to stand before God one day, individually. But then it's going to be too late. We're going to stand there with our ugly clothes, our ugly attitudes, our ugly actions. And it's going to be too late. Just like you would empty out your closet of old clothes to make room for new ones. Kelly actually mentioned this to me yesterday. You didn't even know I was going to preach this. But she said, she says, have you cleaned out your closet lately, you know, some of the clothes? I said, no, I hadn't done that in a while. But I thought about it later, and I thought, I have to actually be preaching on that tomorrow. So I wonder why she brought that up. And actually, um, Tim, where'd Tim go? Uh, Tim showed me this picture yesterday. He went to Dillard's. He just sent me this picture of this ugly shirt, and I thought, did people know what I'm preaching today? He said, I'm thinking about buying this shirt and wearing it tomorrow, and I said, oh, my Lord. It was just awful. But it's funny that I had that, and then Kelly said that too. But, you know, as much as, as, we, um, as we have these attitudes, there's some clothes that are hanging up in, our, in, in, our, in our, the closet of our hearts. But it's time for us to take inventory. It's time for us to take inventory of the things that we've kept in our closet for far too long. 
that aren't pleasing to God. I know some of you people have shirts that have been hanging in there and dresses that have been hanging in your closet for 50 years. Get rid of it. And I'm not talking about, and then maybe literally, but I'm talking about attitude-wise. And maybe some of you do have clothes that have been hanging there for decades. You know, polyester and bell bottoms and the white collars, I'm sorry, they're out. They're not coming back. And if they are, I ain't wearing them. But some of us still have that polyester and barrel bottom and all that nasty stuff in our hearts, the attitudes. And it's time for us to take inventory and to do a thorough closet cleaning. Church, I know you think those outfits look good on you, but they don't. They're ugly. They don't look good on you. You may think they look, they look cool, but they don't look cool. They make you look foolish. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us those outfits of the flesh that we clothe ourselves with, and let's take courage to cast them aside and make room for the clothing that Jesus has for us. And in Romans chapter 13, it actually says what that clothing is. It's called an armor of light. When we rid ourselves of these clothes of darkness, these attitudes and actions that are ugly, not pleasing to the Lord, not not representing Christ well at all to the world today, we need to replace them, and we replace them with the clothes that Jesus provides for us. They're not just any old clothes, though. When we clothe ourselves in Christ, we need more than just street clothes, by the way, because when we make that decision to cast off those things, we need some armor because we become a target. When we cast off the deeds of target, uh, darkness, rather, there's an automatic battle for our souls. We put a bullseye on us. Satan says, well, we'll see about that. And he tries to reintroduce, how about this outfit? Oh, this one's nice. You remember that one? It's coming back in style. No, it's not. I'm not going to wear that anymore. I'm not going to act that way anymore. I'm not going to be that way anymore. I'm not going to think that way anymore. Satan hates that you rid yourself of his clothes and are putting on the clothes of Christ. He hates that. And he's not going to give up without a fight. Anyone who's ever served in the military will tell you that you can't go into the battlefield wearing street clothes. You need armor. You need weaponry. You need protection. And here's the armor that God gives us to wear. We know it very well, Ephesians chapter 6. Let me just kind of list it here for you in this scripture, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the full armor of God. In other words, don't just put on most of it. Put on all of it every day. You're going to need all of it every day so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. I know you think that your battle is with that person standing in front of you, but it's not. That battle is with Satan himself. There's spiritual forces that you can't see. And the only way you're going to be able to fight those battles is spiritually. You're not going to be able to punch the devil in the face. You may punch a person in the face and think that they're the devil, but that's just a person, okay? You've got to have the spiritual warfare and the spiritual armor in order to successfully fight against the enemy. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand firm, to stand, 
Stand firm then with the belt of truth. So you got this belt that cinches everything together. It's the opposite of Satan's lies, in other words. So walk in the truth of what God says, not the lies of what Satan says. Buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness. And that breastplate of righteousness is God's finished work in your life. It's his righteousness in which we live, in which we thrive in which we succeed are victorious. And put, so you put that breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's simply being a witness for Jesus, walking in representation of him everywhere you go. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith because the shield of faith is needed because those fiery darts that come at us need to be blocked some way and absorbed some way. And so we hold up that shield of faith that says, no, I will not give up on the faith. I know the enemy's coming at me hard, but I'm not going to give up. I will not shrink back. I'm going to hold up my shield of faith. My faith is in Christ and in his finished work on the cross of Calvary. No matter what Satan might try to do to me, his flames, his attacks, his lies, his deceit are not going to succeed in my life. And then you take and extinguish all the flames of the arrows of the evil one, and then you take the helmet of salvation. I love how that represents uh, our minds. And that really is taking captive our thoughts, because Satan, the battlefield's right here, folks, most of the time, is it not? He'll plant a seed, you'll begin to think about it, entertain it, throw a party for it, give place to it, feed it, clothe it, house it, nurture it, it grows, it takes charge, and you begin to act it out. And before long, that thought becomes a lifestyle. So it starts right there in your minds, that helmet of salvation. Take captive the thoughts, cast them down, and replace them with what God's Word says. And then the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word, and we can slice up the enemies. Think about this. You know this. When Jesus was tempted all three times by Satan in the wilderness, every time Jesus used the Scripture, it is written, it is written, it is written. you got to know God's Word, and not just know it because you get a brownie point for knowing it, but you know it because it's something you need to use against the enemy to, to uh, expose his lies, to turn what he's saying upside down and say, yeah, here's the truth of it. Because usually what Satan says, in fact, all the time what Satan says is the opposite of what God says. Every time Satan opens up his mouth, opens up his mouth it's a lie. He never tells the truth. Even it may feel like it's, there's some truth in it, it's always the base of it, the foundation of it's a lie. So we take God's word and say, wait a minute, what does God's word say about that? Now, this is what's happening here. This is what's being told to me. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. What does God's word say about it? Uh, that does not line up. So I reject it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I'll grab hold of what your word says, and I'm going to live that out. And also it says, and then to pray in the spirit, which is a personal hotline to God's throne. The power of prayer cannot be understated. Prayer in the Spirit is your personal hotline to God's throne. When you're praying and interceding, like we're going to be doing this week, in our week of fasting and prayer, it's a spiritual weapon that Satan cannot overcome. When you have a personal hotline, he can't connect in there. He can't uh, take that line and, and, you know, splice it and figure out. And when you pray in the Spirit, he doesn't even know what you're praying. You're praying a spiritual prayer 
directly to God. And Satan's like, what are they saying? What's going on? But I know it's being affected because the Bible says the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous person availeth much. So what's going on right now? I mean, there, there's some damage getting ready to happen to my kingdom. And Satan doesn't like that. Which means that all the more we're going to do it, right? And we're going to go on the offensive. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is how we should dress every single day. Show that arm, if you will. That's what we need to look like. Not like those puffy balloon ladies and that guy with the hands hanging all down and stuff. God's calling us to walk around spiritually looking just like that every day. And I like to keep that up for just a second. I like how it says it's an armor of light. I like that word light. It's, it, I love this because it's like this picture. I picture this armor, this glowing and radiating light in such a way as to help shine a light down the path that we're walking. So you're not clunkily walking around, but it's just this radiating of this light. I'm so thankful that God gives us an armor of light to where we're not going to stumble, where we're not going to fall. We can see that our steps are sure as Jesus is ordering our steps. And finally, it says to make no provision for the flesh. I love this word provision. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. If you were going to be dropped off for a camping expedition for an extended period of time, let's say four weeks, just going to drop you off. I'm going to drive off and just leave you there. And imagine that where you're going to be dropped off, there's going to be no stores no places for you to get necessary provisions for your trip. So you're going to, because it's, it's remote, it's isolated. There's no civilization for miles and miles around. So you need to pack accordingly, do you not? Now imagine that you did not correctly pack. And instead of planning for four weeks, you only packed for one week. And this trip, you quickly realize that you run out of your provision. Now, if that actually happened, you'd be in trouble, would you not? You, you, you'd try to figure out what to do. You'd try to eat some bark, some berries, different things like that. After a while, you'd get weak, you'd start starving. And sadly, if you didn't have the know-how and you depended just on the provisions that you packed, you may not make it out of there alive. And I'm not wishing that upon anyone here, but as it relates to the deeds of the flesh, I would highly recommend that. I would highly recommend that you not make provision for the flesh. Don't pack stuff up and feed the flesh. Don't give place to the flesh. Don't feed it. Don't give it shelter. Starve it. Let your flesh die. Don't clothe yourself in the deeds of darkness. Instead, clothe yourself with Jesus. Clothe yourself in the armor of light. I feel like today would be a good day. A great day for us to reset our hearts and our lives and reposture ourselves back to Jesus. I just picture up here this being like a, a goodwill donation sort of place. You know, people drop off their clothes to the goodwill right before the end of the year so they can get that last little bit of tax right off. Now, today would be a good day for us to do that, but not for the purposes of a tax write off. I just feel like, and Tim, if you would, come on up. and uh, I feel like that there's some clothes emotionally and in our actions and in our thoughts. The things that 
that we've clothed ourselves in. And it could be some pretty rough stuff. Or it could be some pretty mild stuff that could eventually turn into some rough stuff. I mean, there's some stuff that's kind of in style right now, but it won't be long. It's more of a fad, you know? And it turns into something pretty ugly pretty quickly. Or maybe you've just been wearing it for years and you think, I look good in this and I don't care what anybody thinks. But you really look awful in it. It's an ugly attitude. It's an ugly action. It's an... It's ugly. You don't look good in it. And you're not representing Christ well in it at all. And today is a great day to drop these things off. To drop off all of your ugly clothes. And just lay it here. And say, Lord, I'm tired of thinking this way, talking this way, acting this way, pursuing these particular things. It's not a good representation of you. And it being the last day of the year, I kind of like the idea of a New, New Year's resolution saying, I'm going to put on the armor of light this year. I'm going to put on the robe of righteousness this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on Jesus this year. And whatever that looks like. Does that mean perfectly? No. We're not going to be perfect. But boy, we can sure make that decision to say, I'm not going to put on that ugly outfit not one more time. This is it. I'm drawing the line. 2023, this is it. Last day of the year, I'm done. I'm going to leave that in 2023. Starting in 2024, in just a few hours, I'm putting on Jesus. I don't know, does that resonate in your heart today? I hope so. Would you stand with me this morning? Make it a little easier for you to move to the front. I just, I know for me, I'm going to stand here and give the Lord some of my stuff, my ugly clothes. I got enough of them. And I hope maybe you'll join me. And just let the Lord, it's, 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 a, it's a transfer here. This is all you're going to do. And you know what ugly stuff I'm talking about. This is between you and the Lord. Say, Lord, here, here, here's my whatever, fill in the blank. And lay it down. And I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this way anymore. It's high time that I let that go. And it's high time that I put on Jesus. It's, it's time. You know what I'm talking about. So come on up and let's just say, all right, Lord, here's my stinky whatever. Here's my ugly that I think I look hot in, but I look awful in. I'm giving it to you. I'm done with this attitude. I'm done with this way of being, this way of thinking, this way of living. I'm done with it. And on this last day of the year, I'm donating these clothes to be burned up in a pile somewhere. I don't want them again. I want to put on the armor of Jesus. I want to put on Christ. Old, ugly attitudes. Awful habits. Lifestyle, the way that I think, the, the, the words that I say. The things that I look at, the things that I listen to, the, the things that I grab hold of, the things that I walk towards, the things that I'm drawn to, that I, I don't want those anymore. I, 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 I just need to take this ugly outfit off right now. Now, as you're, as you're here now, just do some business with the Lord. You know exactly what that is, and I don't need you to confess it out loud. You just, just do some business with the Lord. What is it? I say, here you go, Lord. Here's my ugly whatever. Here's my ugly clothes. And just 
put a name to it. Describe it. It's, it's all right. You need to actually kind of say it, kind of confess it. Because really, the Bible talks about confessing with your mouth. It really is a sin in a lot of ways. Uh, it's not being like Christ. Let's put it that way. So let's just, Lord, I, I can't do this in my own strength anymore. I'm tired of messing up like this, having this attitude, wearing this ugly clothing. I give this particular thing to you. Are these particular things to you? And if you're at home, do the same thing. This is nasty old attitude that I had, this ugly clothing. Father, I give this to you right now. My ugly clothing, I give it to you. That that I have worn for all these years, I give it to you. On this last day of 2023, Lord, I choose to let it be a line of demarcation that says that I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to go back and pick it up. I'm not going to put it on again in your strength and in your power. I thank you that you're going to help me to put on Christ. Jesus, I need, to put you, I, need to, I need to put you on me every day. I need to wrap myself in your robe of righteousness with your armor of light. I realize that I'm in a battle here. And uh, Satan's going to try to come and attack me and tempt me and draw me in. He's going to try to put opportunities in front of me to think that way and be that way and all those nasty things again to really dangle that clothing in front of me again and say, hey, why don't you try this on again? No. Father, help us to resist the enemy and help us instead to pursue the, the option of what you give us, Lord Jesus, that way of escape, that, that opportunity to put you on and to be more like you in the things that we say, the things that we do, the things that we think. Lord, just take our ugly clothes our ridiculous clothes, the things that just do not look good on us, do not represent you well. We repent of those things, Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, for helping us to put on the armor of light that will guide us, equip us, protect us, and help us to be more like you and to be a good representation of you. Help us to do that every day. Help us to put on the full armor every day, Lord. Not one piece or half of the pieces or all but one of the pieces but Lord may we take up the full armor every day and walk out of our house just like we put on our clothes to walk out of our house help us spiritual Lord God to put on the full armor every day realizing that we're in a battle and we're in these last days yes and Satan's pulling out all the stops yes but Lord we will not give in we will not shrink back and as we wear that armor of light as we put on Christ Jesus, I pray that as we do that, people will see a difference in us this coming year. They're going to say, wow, you don't think that way anymore. You don't talk that way anymore. You don't act that way anymore. What's going on with you? You're different. you got some different clothing on. Father, that we would be an authentic representation of who you are in our work, in our home, in our neighborhoods, with our family, at school, wherever we go. Father, help us every day. Holy Spirit, I pray that you prompt us every day as we're putting on our clothes in our closet. Say, hey, here's an outfit I'm going to wear today. Holy Spirit, remind us at the same time, is there anything ugly that you need to take off spiritually? And that every day we would put you on instead. As we're putting on our shirt and clothes and all the different things, help us to put you on as well. Every day, remind us of that. Well, today is a new day. 
The old things are past. I may not have been able to obtain it yet, but I'm going to forget those things from the past and I'm going to press on to those things that you have in me, Lord Jesus. That's what we're going to do, Lord. We're going to press on to the things that you have in us. Forgetting those things of the past. Satan, you can remind us of our past. That's all right. We're just going to remind you of your future. (laughs) You're doomed. But God, we thank you that we are standing on the winning side. We're victorious in you. And you're going to be more, we're going to be more like you, putting on you every day of our lives. And then, as we do, as we plant and water, may you bring the increase. We want to be a witness for you, Lord Jesus. Souls for your kingdom. May everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think, be through the lenses of eternity. May we keep eternity in mind in all that we do and say and think. And we thank you for this, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah.